My name is John Bradbury, and this is the Understanding Your Identity and Purpose podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is episode two of Understanding Your Identity and Purpose podcast. My name is John Bradbury. I'm so excited that you're back. If you're back, if you haven't listened to episode one, go back and listen to that because it is the foundation. We talked about what identity is and why it matters. This episode, we're going to talk about the ego and where it comes from, what it does, the problems it creates. But before we do that, I just want to say that this uh, episode is brought to you by my book, The Good and Noble Heart, 10-Week Transformation. I'll, I'll link it up on the show notes uh, where you can check it out on Amazon. But it is a 10-week guided journal and devotional book that goes through the entire New Testament, four chapters at a time, and every devotion is focused on identity. How do you think about yourself and transitioning your thinking about yourself to the way God thinks about you. Each day there is a, a journal prompt that is like a question or a couple questions with room in the book to journal so that you're, if you want to do it uh, the way the book is designed, you could listen to four chapters of the New Testament, read a one-page devotional about identity, and then go straight and journal answering the questions as an activation practice. So, you, so you're getting the whole New Testament in 10 weeks, and every day you're rewiring your, your brain, so to speak, to think about yourself the way God does. So that's on Amazon. Uh, check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes or you can just search The Good and Noble Heart 10-Week Transformation by John Bradbury. Well, I'm so excited that you're back. I hope that the first episode really helped you expand your boundaries, understand what identity is, uh, see the fence that you've built around your life so that you can, with the help of the Lord, start pushing back that uh, those boundaries that you've set. Today we're going to talk about the ego, and so I want to go all the way back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the, the Garden of Eden, and talk about the way God designed things to be, the way Adam and Eve lived before the temptation, before the fall, and then what happened, what the results were after the fall. So, if you remember, God in the creation story, He spoke things into existence. So God is a spirit, and this might be really basic for you, but I just want to start from the foundation. God is a spirit. He has no form. Okay, There's nothing on earth that looks like God, because God doesn't look like something. He doesn't have a form. You know, if he stood in front of a mirror, this is silly, he wouldn't, there would be no reflection. He doesn't have mass. He doesn't take up space. He's not subject to time. He is spirit. He lives in a realm of infinite potential because he is not subject to speed, time, space, matter, dimensions. You can't measure him. 
God is formless. He is timeless. He is not subject to the laws of creation. If you know science, he's not subject to the laws of physics or biology or chemistry. He actually created the laws of physics and biology, chemistry with his voice. So use your imagination. He, he is. He's not... He didn't... Eternity past is not going back in time. Eternity future is not going forward in time. Like there will be some time after time ends. God just is. Eternity is now. It is the present moment. I just want to repeat that. Eternity is now. It is not the time after time. <laughs> it is now. That is the state God exists in. He exists in the present. He doesn't have past or future. It's just present. There's no form. There's no space. There's no time. There is just things like this. Now consider these words. They're not perfect words to describe God. But awareness. Awareness is a pretty good word to describe what spirit is. It is like the ocean, just a vast sea of stillness that waves can arise on or that fish can swim in, but itself just the pure water, the, the ocean, could be described as awareness. There is just the space that the fish swim in. It is the medium that the waves arise in. God is not a wave. He is not a form. You've heard the word wave form. He is not a form. He is the awareness. Experience is another good word. Being is a good word. Spirit, breath, att attention is a good word. So attention is like Directing your awareness in a specific direction. Intention can describe him. He has a will, an intention. He directs his desire in a certain direction. Now I'm taking the time to describe this because you are a spirit. We like to say that you have you have a soul, but the truth is you are a soul living in a body. The body is not the reality. The soul is the reality and it is manifesting itself through the body. Very similar to uh, it has a a gardener manifest his or her creativity or vision or nature through a garden. You manifest your nature through your body, through your life. Now, God doesn't have a body. In a sense, the entire created universe is his body. No, it's not really. He is bigger than space or smaller than space, however you want to say it. He, he doesn't take up space. He doesn't have a body. But in the sense that he demonstrates his nature 
through the universe is the same way we demonstrate our nature through our bodies, through our through the senses, through our attention and intention and experience. God demonstrates himself through the universe. He shows what he's like. The universe is not what he's like, but it demonstrates what he's like. I'm not trying to be confusing. I'm just describing in a very feeble way before creation and then at the moment of creation God speaks. Now the sound is a physical form. It has energy to it. It has wavelength to it. It has volume. It has a physical vibration to it. It creates a, a wave in the air or a wave in the water or whatever medium. It's a physical property. So all creation at the very tiniest level is little vibrations of God's voice. Now I'm talking tiny. And you go down, you know, you look at a human cell and and you go down to the individual atoms, uh, molecules, and then atoms, and then the protons and neutrons and electrons, and then even below them, the, the quarks and like stuff that is there, but so small. Like you have to have the most powerful electron microscope just to see atoms, and there, we know that there are smaller particles than that. And at the very base level, the fundamental level, is just a vibration. It is, we are made up of God's voice, and so is everything else. He spoke, he said, let there be light. And what was created was not the sun, he created the, ele the electromagnetic force, the electromagnetic field. He created all electromagnetic waves and their properties. He created positive and negative charge. He created wavelength, energy. And then that is what allowed a day to pass because there was no time before there was this force. There was no time before the electromagnetic field because no time could pass. There was no, there was no matter and there was no space. There was no energy. There was nothing physical. But when God's voice spoke, he created and at the very basic, smallest level, light is made up of God's voice. It's the vibration. And then, little by little, he started, well, I don't know if you could call it little, but he started creating the mediums. He created space, and then he created air or gas. He created liquid and solid different mediums states of being that waves and forms could travel through he created kinds where certain atoms are attracted to other atoms molecules to other molecules and in them exist this built-in revelation from god where they are to 
snap together and form a sequence. Everything, you know, a cow, a tree, you know, hydrogen gas, the sun, light, water, me, is made up of tiny vibrations that form, that attract to one another or repel one another in different ways. They're all made up of the same thing, God's voice. And finally, God forms Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground. We are literally made of the same thing trees are made of, the same thing worms are made of, the same thing the soil is made of. If you, if you study our nature, it, we're, I mean, our body, we're like 50% water, 60-70%, depending. Our digestive system works exactly like a compost pile. We, you know, you could make the comparisons. I mean, we are dirt. But in our body, if you were to look at the quantum level, is almost all empty space. Just empty space, vibration, and then these vibrations joining together or repelling each other in all kinds of combinations. We are literally made out of the dust, which the dust is made out of, the same thing everything's made out of. We are one with nature, one with the world. But what makes us unique, different than a cow, different than a tree, different than a bird or a flower, is that God breathed into us, animating us. We are spirit. We are literally a living soul made up of the same stuff that God is made up of. We are spirit. We are our bodies, our dirt, but that's not who we are. Our bodies are like a garden, but who we really are is a spirit. We are a living soul that is connected to God through the spirit realm. We are both one with the earth and one with God. Now the Spirit comes first and through fellowship with God, through a trust relationship, God gives us revelation and grace. Revelation and grace. These are the only things that exist in the universe. There is energy, different kinds of energy, that's grace, the desire and power to do something, it is the energy, and there is information, like revelation. God imparts revelation and grace from his spirit to our spirit, instantaneously as we pay attention to him. And when God created, when he spoke, the laws of nature were based on God's nature. Like love is God's nature. And it became part of 
the laws of physics and chemistry and biology. Peace, joy, abundance, goodness, gentleness, the things that we think of as fruit of the Spirit, that is, the fruit of living in the Spirit, living connected to the Spirit. Those are just the nature of God. So Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. There are no problems. While they are living, even with Satan in the garden, there are no problems. They live in this connected trust relationship with God. They have no opinions on their own. They have no uniqueness that separates them from God. They, there is no knowledge of good and evil. There is just awareness in Adam and Eve's spirit connected to the awareness in God. There is attention, paying attention. There is living in the present moment, aware of God's presence. There is intention, taking what God intends, God's will, and making it my will through intention and then manifesting it in the world. They, Adam and Eve, they took full responsibility to fulfill their purpose, their calling, their, their assignment to serve their function in the greater whole without taking any control. No control at all. Full responsibility, but no control. They lived with discernment. They lived with getting words of knowledge. They lived prophesying with words of wisdom. Revelation would rise up from God's spirit and be imparted to their spirit and they would manifest it on the earth. You remember in Matthew 6 where the, Jesus teaches the prayer and he says, Pray as it is in heaven on the earth. This is how they lived. They took things from the spirit realm, from the heart of God. They cherished it, received it, discerned it, and made it a part of their heart. They received it into their heart, their spirit, and then they manifested it in the earth through their decisions, through their choices, through their actions, through their thoughts, through their feelings, through their words. They took God's intentions and manifested them into the world through their own intentions. They had no identity apart from God because they weren't apart from God. They weren't known for anything except branch connected to the vine. They were like sons and daughters of God, little gods. They were spirit, just like God was spirit. They were fully spirit and fully body. Their spirit animated their body. They were fully alive. They felt at peace all of the time. They never felt fear, anxiety. They never, never knew there was a problem because there were no problems. 
They lived in this relationship of trust with God. And that is the key word, trust. That is what was lost, and that is what Jesus restored. In John chapter 6, when Jesus is explaining how do you get saved, basically, and they're saying, what is the works of God? What do we do? And he's saying, believe in me. That's it. That's all. But that word believe gets distorted because we think of it like, like a list of doctrines that we agree with. It doesn't mean that at all. It means trust. Trust me. A moment by moment, day by day, trust relationship where everything that I do comes from revelation and grace from God's heart to my heart into the world. I have no opinions on my own. I have no judgments. I don't worry. I don't fear. There's no anxiety. There's no control. There is no shame. There's no blame. There is nothing that makes me unique or separate or special. I am only known through my connection to God. This is how Adam and Eve lived. We don't know how long, but then at some point in, point in time, uh, the enemy manifested himself through a serpent and spoke to Eve. And ask a question that we all get asked every day. Can you really trust God? Now, Eve had never thought of this before. Never crossed her mind that the one who created her, the one that she was completely one with, couldn't be trusted. But Satan tricked her. He deceived her. He questioned and said, Are you sure that God has your best interest in heart, in his mind? Are you sure you can trust him? Aren't you better off Controlling your own destiny. That was the question. That is still the question. Are you sure that you can trust God? Eve be believed the enemy. She succumbed to the temptation and she felt uncertainty for the first time. Now, I want to describe this in detail because we're so used to this that we don't know there's any other option. But just because something is normal doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that's the way we're designed. We're so used to worry and anxiety, and uncertainty, and fear, and shame, and blame, and all of these control mechanisms that we don't even know that what it feels like to be at peace. We might get five minutes of peace here and there in a worship service or something, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. But that is the normal state that we were meant to live in all of the time. She had never felt uncertain. And now she believed the lie and she feels uncertainty. Can I trust God? 
fear creeps in. And what does she do? She takes control of her own life. She takes control of her own destiny. Adam follows suit. They both make a choice that didn't originate in the heart of God. They both make a choice that is their own choice, their own opinion, their own judgment. They choose to control their own life. Now, when that happens, when we choose to control our own lives, we cut ourselves off from God. Like we are a branch, fully integrated, connected to God. We have no identity of our own. We are just one with Him. We abide in Him. And when we choose to break that trust, can I trust God? I'm not sure. I take control. It's like we cut ourselves off from the vine. Now we are a branch laying on the ground. The wages of sin is death. It's not God making a judgment. God shaming us and saying, you're bad. He's saying, when you take control, you cut yourself off from me. Now you're, I am the source of life. Now you are on your own. The results will be death. It's only a matter of time until you shrivel up and die and return to the ground. Like you are a branch that is supposed to be connected but you're not connected. It's the wages. It's not the penalty for sin is death. It's not a death penalty. It's the wages. It's what the natural result of sin is death. The natural result of cutting yourself off from life is death. The natural result of taking control and breaking the trust relationship is death. Now, if our true identity, our only true self, is known through our connection with God, who are we when we're not connected to Him? Who are we? They never, Adam and Eve never asked this question. They didn't ever say, who am I? But every one of us seems to want to know, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my destiny? What's my calling? What makes me special? What makes me unique? What makes me stand out? What helps me belong? Where do I fit? We're all asking these kind of questions. What is the purpose of my life? And those questions come from the state of being cut off from God. So now they're cut off. They're a branch laying on the ground. They have no sense of self because their only sense of self was their connection to God. They are one with the earth and one with God at the same time. It is their oneness that defines them. They're not separate. There's nothing separate about them. So they've completely lost their sense of self. Who am I is the natural question. Well, the answer is, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I don't have a sense of self. But the human being cannot survive 
no sense of self. We cannot be nothing. Our brains are wired to be something, to have a sense of me and I. So when I say I like chocolate, the I that I'm talking about, who is that? What is my identity? Well, without our connection to God, who are we? We don't know. But we cannot continue not knowing. We have to be something. So our brain forms an alter ego, an illusion called the, the ego. That's what I call it. You could name it whatever you want. You could call it the controller. But it is a sense of self, an imaginary sense of self that is disconnected from God. I really want you to understand this concept because it's so important. The ego is not real. You don't have two natures. You don't have two people living inside of you struggling to fight things off. The ego is an illusion or an imagination. It is your brain's way of coping with being cut off from God. It makes up a self so that it can survive. The ego's only purpose is to survive. It is to stay alive. It's to protect itself, provide for itself, name itself, before God did all that. God protected. God provided for. God named. God gave you your sense of self. God the connection, the trust relationship with him told you who you were. But cut off from God, and don't think of this in some weird, like, metaphysical type way. It just means when you stop trusting him and start controlling your own life, you're cut off. You weren't meant to make your own decisions. You weren't meant to operate from the knowledge of good and evil. You weren't supposed to know good and evil and then, you know, have agendas and opinions and judgments. You weren't supposed to have like this rational, you know, pro and con list you were supposed to receive revelation and grace from heaven and manifest it on the earth through a trust relationship. But when you control your own life, <coughs> you lose your sense of self and then you form an ego. Now, an ego, again, it's not right or wrong because it's, it's an illusion. But this sense of self that is apart from God, it's like the branch saying to itself, well, since I'm cut off from the vine, what am I? Who am I? And it starts attaching itself to form. Now, a form can be possessions, like I'm a Porsche guy, or, you know, I like, I am a Coke guy, you know, like I, what I have defines me. This is what, what marketers do. They, they create these brands that are really expensive so that they become exclusive 
so that anybody that owns the Rolex or you know drives the Ferrari attaches their sense of self to it because there's way fewer people that have the Rolex than than don't and so it lets you feel a sense of superiority so we can attach to the form of possessions the house the car the clothes you can attach yourself to accomplishments you know i'm an olympic athlete or you know i i'm a marathon runner i am a business person you can attach to titles positions you start attaching to relationships i am married i am single you start attaching to your thoughts your feelings i am an angry person or i am not good at that or i'm not a public speaker or i am a public speaker roles functions actions i'm a golfer you know i'm a homeschool mom the ego is always trying to attach itself to a form so that it can define itself as apart from god now there's nothing wrong with any of those things until you you make them a part of your sense of self until you attach yourself to them the ego is always looking to compare itself to others so that it can know where it stands in the pecking order so it can define itself so i am better than you i am worse than them it's always a competition it's always you know you can attach it'll attach itself to a sickness i am a cancer patient it's always this back and forth fear and control happy and sadness cycle that tries to identify itself apart from god now our true nature our true selves are not apart from god they are connected when we think about ourselves apart from god we have to have some kind of form to define ourselves you know i am a christian i am not a muslim i am white i am american i am rich i am poor i am middle class i am a factory worker all of these things we i'm a student i'm a woman i'm a man you know i'm a victim i am whatever we're always trying to attach some kind of form so that we can build those fences that we talked about in episode 1 the reason is we want to feel safe before god protected us god defined us god defended us god provided for us and now we feel cut off and so we're defining ourselves we're protecting ourselves we're providing for ourselves and so what we what we do is we build those fences we create those walls we make a comfort zone we invent a comfort zone by saying you know i'm a college graduate i'm a white southerner american middle class christian all of those titles all of those roles all of those functions 
we attach ourselves to them. You know, I'm a meat eater or I'm a vegan. I'm this, I'm that. To build walls, to build a comfort zone, to create a defined space that we can feel safe in. I just want you to see that visually. I want you to imagine, you know, that your life is a garden and you are disconnected from God and you are now, think of yourself as the garden and lose the sense of being the gardener. That's what the ego does. It attaches to the form and loses its sense of being a spirit, of being a soul, being the gardener. It loses the connection to God. And now it identifies with the garden itself and creates fences and walls and identities. It invents a comfort zone, builds it around itself to create a sense of safety, a sense of security. What you're really trying to get with this whole ego thing, and this is all happening subconsciously, is you're trying to get that certainty back that you lost. You know, I said Eve felt uncertain for the first time ever. Well, what we're trying to get back when we subconsciously create an ego is we're trying to get that certainty back. We feel the lack of it. We feel the lack of peace. And we try to get it back with control. We try to get back with identity. We try to get it back with the creation of the ego by attaching to forms. Now, these are not just all good or bad. They are, you know, you can identify as an abuse victim or a cancer patient or, you know, an abused person, or you can identify as a successful business person or a great athlete or a talented singer. Those are all the same. They are the ego trying to attach to a form so that it feels certain again, feels safe, it feels protected, it feels known, it feels like it is something. See, the ego is nothing, it is imaginary, so it's always attaching that sense of self to a form so that it feels like something. Now, why does this even matter? It is the source of every problem in the world. That's why it matters. It is the source of all suffering. It is the reason there is greed, why there's violence. It is the reason why there is hate. It is the reason why there is war, why there's famine, why every single problem, every single problem exists because of this false sense of self called the ego, trying to attach to a form. Because it, it creates Republican versus Democrat. Because now I have to be right so that I can be better. Now you, which makes you wrong so that you are worse. It creates racism. It creates every single problem. Because if we are only known for our true self, if we, if we no longer need to protect ourselves or provide for ourselves or identify ourselves, and we are just known, we are, our bodies are one with all, all living things, and our spirits are one with God, and we are taking full responsibility to manifest God's will on the earth, but we're taking zero control 
every problem disappears. Now that sounds amazing and grandiose in the world, but I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about your life. All of your suffering is from trying to be somebody. All of your suffering is from control. All of it. 100%. It is from control. The ego is the one that forms opinions. You know, you could, you're walking down the road, you see a beautiful flower, that's experience. You smell it, that's experience. You hear the leaves rustling in the wind, that's experience. That's amazing, that is life. You are aware, you're directing your attention towards the flower. You are using your senses to experience the flower. This is how God designed you to live. To be aware, to give attention, to, in, to have intentions aligned with Him. To experience, to be present with the flower and with God and with whoever you're with in that moment. To be fully present to be aware of God's presence with you in the flower, in you, in your connection to the flower. And I'm just using that as an example. But the ego forms an opinion about the flower. Well, this flower is not as pretty as the last flower. It forms attachments like, oh, I'm a flower-loving person and you're not. It picks the flower and takes the flower and decorates its own house so that other people, so it can compare itself to its neighbor. All suffering comes in when we form that opinion, when we create those attachments when we make judgments about other people, when we make judgments about ourselves, which is shame, when we worry about the future, which is the ego forming an opinion about the future. Regret from the past is the ego forming an opinion about the past. All suffering is from this trying to be somebody apart from God. That's what Adam and Eve lost. That's what the temptation was all about. Satan could not sabotage their lives. He didn't have permission. He didn't have authority. So he tricked them into sabotaging themselves. And that is still the case. This is what Jesus came to restore. He came to die so that you could identify with his death and allow that ego to die. I want to clarify that there is nothing wrong with your body. When Paul is talking about the flesh or the carnal mind, or a sin nature or some kind of language like that. He's not talking about the physical body. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no, there's no, you don't have two different natures. He's talking about this ego, this sense of self that has created an identity apart from God that has to die. You cannot manage it. The law was to expose the ego. So it's, you take an ego that cannot die because Jesus hasn't come yet and you put a set of rules on top of it to manage it 
And what it does is it makes it worse. It feeds the ego. It exposes the ego. It, it reveals the ego. The, that's what the purpose of the law is, to reveal the ego. The, the, the ego loves to compare itself. It loves competition. It loves the, the, the rules written in stone so it can be better than other people or feel worse or shame and blame. And it can create all of these opinions around the rules. It can separate itself. You know, I'm Protestant, I'm Catholic. It can create denominations. It can do all this stuff. The ego loves that. It feeds off of the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to die, to, so that we could identify with him and let our egos die, and to raise back to life so that our true nature can come alive and that we could reestablish the trust relationship with God, where we stop forming our own identities and opinions, and we live in connection with Him. Our only sense of self is, I am a branch in the vine. I am a son of God. I am the bride of Christ. I am in relationship. I do not control my life, nor do I protect myself, nor do I defend or provide for myself. I don't identify myself. I don't name myself. I do not separate myself from God. I commune with Him. I trust Him. I receive revelation and grace from Him. And I take responsibility and manifest it on the earth. I am one with God. That is, that is what Jesus came to restore. The ego is the source of every problem. Now, episode one, I wanted you to become aware of what identity is. Now I want you to see the difference between your true nature and your egoic nature. The egoic nature is an illusion. It is a necessary illusion that your brain creates when you feel disconnected from God. But because of Jesus, you do not have to live disconnected from God. Therefore, you do not need an ego. You can live in connection. You can be a branch reunited in the vine. You could go back to living the way you were designed to live, fully functioning as a spirit connected to God's spirit, as a soul animating the body, manifesting heaven on earth. I want you to see that. I want you to be aware of the egoic nature. I just want you to notice it. We'll talk in later episodes about what this means practically and how you can let it go and how we are supposed to live. But if you can just notice yourself trying to build a comfort zone, you can just become aware of yourself trying to form an opinion or make a judgment or take on an identity or attach to a form. If you can just notice that, its grip will start to lessen because it thrives in the darkness. It thrives when you're not aware, when you're unconscious. The ego basically is the unobserved mind. I just want you to start to observe it. Start to see the effects. See how it affects your life. Thank you guys for listening. I hope this helps. Remember, check in the show notes. Go check out the Good and Noble Heart 10-Week Transformation. 
get you a copy on Amazon and start going through it, uh, going through the New Testament. And we will see you next week. <laughs>